Hello, and welcome to the Yearly Comics Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mayo. In this episode, we'll be spotlighting our favorite comics of the year. As with the Weekly Comic Spotlight, we'll be using DC, Marvel, and others as our main categories. We'll keep major spoilers to a minimum, but we may discuss general plot points and storylines of the comics we review. In this yearly comic spotlight, I'm joined by James, and we're going to talk about the comics from 2022. James, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, John? I am doing well. Now, the format of the yearly comic spotlight is a little different this year. It's based on the survey we put on the forum. We'll be reading off the listener picks for each category and stuff after some opening comments, and we'll get to the questions. But these yearly comic spotlight episodes have ranged from under an hour to over three hours, and then there was last year. <laughs> we recorded for like what seven hours yeah seven we plus? recorded seven hours two nights in a row and uh my wife was not happy with me <laughs> a total of seven hours two nights uh, over two nights not seven yeah. hours each of two nights oh yeah yeah that's true <laughs> she would have come over here and killed me i think geez i wouldn't yeah. blame her but that boiled down to about six hours after editing that was uh enough uh, for a six-part extravaganza we're not doing that this year I mean, we're no. gonna see how long this one goes but Maybe it's a multi-part episode, maybe it's not, but I trimmed down the questions, I tried to simplify stuff, streamline it, and give people a little more leeway. It's, I mean, you know, answer the spirit of the question kind of a thing, and we'll see how well that worked out. Maybe good, maybe not. Exactly. It was a feat to never be done again because we both came out of it exhausted and definitely for the worse, I think, at the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was a fun discussion. It was fun. <laughs> but it was an exhausting discussion. Yeah, we came out at, at the end. I just I remember feeling like, uh <laughs> it was My kind of. Were, is this ever going to end? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, listeners didn't feel that way by you know because I broke it to you know hourish long chunks or whatever. So that I think helped on the listening side of it. But, but it was cool that I got to do it with you. So that yeah. was fun. And we had a lot of great great input and stuff. Yeah. So we've we've got I think seven people who did uh, submissions this time. There are a couple of people who wanted to but for various reasons couldn't and. Life gets in the way, I understand that. But let's get comfortable, let's get retrospective about 2022. Yeah, let's do that. Now, I got 752 new comics in 2022, which is about 135 less than the, I think, 887 I got in 2021, and way less than I'd gotten in some past years. So my, my reading is definitely trending down. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Last year, the you know according to this list of all the notes I put in, it was 1,082 com- single-issue comics I read, because I read a heck of a lot of manga, and I read a lot of you know trades and stuff like that. I, I killed my trade stack in 2022. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. It was hard. Not I didn't touch the hardcovers. That's a big stack. <laughs> yeah. Well, of the 752 new comics I got, which is an average of about 14 and a half a week, or a little over two a day, about a third, just a hair under, were from D.C., Cool. A hair over 40% were from Marvel, so a lot of Marvel. Yeah. And then that leaves around 20% from, uh, almost 21% from the other premier publishers of Image, IDW, Boom, Dark Horse, and Dynamite, although that's, that nomenclature, I think, is, is lived past its usefulness. And then about 6% from the other publishers. Yep. The majority of that was actually Artist Writers and Artisans, which had 15 of those 52 comics or something. Very cool. So, you know, I got a couple of things from, you know, a smattering of publishers. I also got another 111 other items. Let me rephrase that. 111 other items were on my list. 
There were 11 books. There was about nine things from Free Comic Book Day, two magazines, a couple of toys. No trades to speak of. But I did read another 100 items between the book club and the back issue spotlight. And I tried not to double count for those. Okay, yeah, yeah, cool. That's – yeah, I'm glad that you – at the very beginning, you weren't coming to the book clubs. But I think you started coming in in the last Mm -hmm. couple, and we've all really enjoyed it. It's been fun. It's a lot of fun, and I'll keep going as long as it's something I'm interested in reading. And there's a couple of things, like the uh, the Superman-Batman generation sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Although that sounds like it's going to be hard for people to get, because it's apparently not available digitally at all, which is like, why not? That's insane, yeah. <laughs> but there's some other things being talked about for the book club that I have less interest in, so maybe I'll do it, maybe I won't. I, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Now, my Excel inventory, because I keep two inventories. I keep the one in Collector Z, which is what I'm scanning new stuff into and, in theory, chipping away at my, my back issues and stuff. Although, admittedly, in 2022, I, I, I think I got, let's see, 3,124 comics into Comic Collector over the course of 2022. Around 2,372 of those were back issues. So I did well at the beginning of the year, and eh, not so much the rest of the year. <laughs> but my Excel inventory, which... I was going to say, in theory, has everything, but I absolutely know it does not. I've got a few things that have come in through odd channels, be it a Kickstarter or something like that, not that there's much there, or things that have have come into my collection through other avenues. One of the things I got a year or two back during the pandemic from my uncle was a set of comics that that he and my dad had as kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's really cool. So I've got two short boxes worth of stuff there that's not in this count. Okay, cool. I, just, I haven't dived into those uh, physically yet to, to really do that. But my Excel inventory as of the end of the year says I've got 69,978 comics, which again, is it going to be a low count because not everything is in there. You know, I'm human, I make errors. But if you add in the comics I've already gotten in 2023, because we're recording this three weeks into the year, that puts me over 70,000 comics. That's a lot of comics. It is a lot of comics. Wow, that's 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 a daunting amount of comics, and you've read pretty much almost all of them. I know I've got at least eight to ten drawer boxes full of comics that are back issues that I haven't read. I mean, I've got a, a, enough that I could be reading for quite some time, stuff that I haven't read, and even further, stuff that I've read but have forgotten. Wow. So, I mean, I've read at least 90% of it, but I'm not going to make any claim that I've read all 100%, and certainly no claim that I could pass any sort of a trivia contest on on the majority of them. Yeah, by comparison, I am 48 comics away, and that's basically you know Collector Z, so it has my omnibus and mm-hmm. everything in there, from 24,000. Nice. So I, I'm very far behind, but it's still, and I, I think I have a large collection. It's not a race. <laughs> you win nothing for having the most. No, you just get stress and a sore back, I guess. <laughs> well, and there comes a point where when a collection gets to a certain size, and this size will vary from person to person, that... Your count is an estimate. It is not factual to a degree. Yeah, because you're going to miss something. You didn't scan something, or maybe you had a double. You only put one in there. It just stuff happens. Or you misplace something. Exactly. That happens too. <laughs> one of the things I did over the holidays was I swapped out my desks in my, my home office here. And I had ones from uh, Staples or something that I'd gotten like 25 years ago or something. And they Nice corner desks in terms of, you know, I spent, I don't know, $100 on them or something. So that's how nice they were. But they had two sides because I I was sitting in facing the corner and then a keyboard tray and a monitor kind of stand that the monitor thing would raise, the keyboard would lower. Okay, great. 
What I realized as I was disassembling one of the two of them was that a comic had slid under the monitor tray into the metal thing supporting the two sides together under it. That's funny. It had been there, because it was caked in a layer of dust or whatever, at least 10 years. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So if I had lost track of, I think it was X-Men number two or number four or something, that's why. (laughs) That is hilarious. And it's like totally undamaged, whatever. I'm glad it was bagged and boarded, but it's, yeah, it was just... I told my sister about that, and I don't think she stopped laughing yet. <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah, it was a fair amount of comics this year, but again, it's ramped down because in many years past, I've gotten at least twice as many. But I'm also at the point where, for a variety of reasons, uh, some of these things just aren't working for me. So it's gonna gonna ramp a little further down. Yeah. And normally, when I go through and... F- fill out the questionnaire, you know, for the the yearly comic spotlight myself, I have a hell of a time doing it because I've read so much, I've forgotten a lot, and I'm trying to, you know, get a, get picks I can really stand behind. And so when I was looking to trim down the list this year and and streamline the questions, I streamlined them. And I don't know about you or the the other listeners, I actually found it easier to answer the stuff this time than I have in most past years. Yeah, I think I found it easier because I did read a little bit less and since I, we've been meeting on the monthly comic spotlight and I kind of grade the things I'm reading, I can see what tend to work for me a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And it's good because like way back in January and February, some stuff came out that I really liked that normally I would have forgotten in past year yearly comic spotlights. Yeah. And so now I didn't forget that. I'm like, oh yeah, that came out and I loved it. So it, it really does help. Well, with this kind of a thing, and I know a lot of websites and other stuff did their best of the year and all that stuff in like early to mid-December. Yeah. And maybe it's pedantic of me, but I'm like, the year hasn't ended yet. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) So, and there's always a recency bias. So with that kind of a stuff, stuff that comes out in October, November really gets the the sweet spot for a lot of those reviewers and such. I try to data drive my stuff, again, to give fairness to things early in the year or whatnot. And there's also, I know some people have a tendency to pick that that brand new comic that had that number one that just knocked your socks off. Yep. And I'll be honest, like when I was going through for the creator picks, the first thing I did is since I've got the creator listed on all my items in my data and such, I filtered out any creator that had fewer than four items over the course of the year. Oh, that's a good way to do it. I, if they can't get an item out a quarter. Then, yeah, you can't be one of my favorite creators. I mean, I love Greg Rucka, but I'm not reading that much from him. Yeah, Greg Rucka, we're lucky if we get two things a year. And they're great things. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a brilliant writer. I just wish I could get more of it. (laughs) Exactly. Now, I will say when we get to the creator section, I've got one clear exception to that rule, but I think it is truly an exceptional case, and and we'll get to that. Okay, cool. So we ready to start going through the questions? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Let's dive in. All right. Now, I added this first question because in past years, we've gotten a couple of picks where I, I, I wasn't sure who this was or how to pronounce their name. So uh, the first question was about you. What should we call you when reading your picks? A very <laughs> pragmatic question. I'll give my answer. John. I, I answer to John. <laughs> I answer to James. So that makes it easy. It does. Yeah. And what's funny is on the Slack channel, I'm pretty sure, yeah, I have JR Phoenix. That's mm-hmm. literally my email address. And the reason why I had that as I was living in Phoenix when I created ah, JR are my initials. So people sense. think Junior Phoenix. I'm like, nah, not really. It's 
my initials and I lived in Phoenix when I came up with that email. <laughs> but if you were a really big Phoenix fan of the X-Men or something, you know. It would it would work perfectly. <laughs> I, I've known one or two people who have picked their screen names and stuff based on something that they were a huge fan of. And then because of either creator shenanigans or this, that, or the other, things fall out of favor with them and suddenly that screen name, not as, as cool to them anymore. Yeah, yeah, it happens. But James is easy. Just call me James. That works. Cool. <laughs> All right. From the listeners, we've got FUD71, which is, of course, Sam FUD. He'll answer to either and stuff. He's been on a lot of back issue spotlights, does the TV numbers and stuff. So happy to have Sam's input. We've got Nick's Picks from Nick. Comic Freak, which is Comic Freak or Eric. Doesn't matter to him, which we call him. Drew Aka the Goat. Oh, also known as. I know. I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, goat. I mean, is he really that big of a fan of Quantum and Woody? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> goat for greatest of all time. Yes. So Captain Hyperbole in some other dimension, I'm sure. <laughs> Chris Myers. He goes by Chris Myers. Nicholas J, Nicholas, and Dr. Mo goes by uh, Dr. Mo. So the one time I put the question out there, there's nobody that we would have been tripped up by, I think. By the way, Dr. Mo, he's been on some book clubs in the past, but he hasn't been on, any, on the two, two most recent. It, I forget to keep asking him, is he really a doctor? I don't know. That's a great question, and I want to know the answer. And Me one, too. Is he a doctor? Is he a medical doctor, or does he have a PhD? Either is impressive. Yeah. If not, and that's okay, why does he go by Dr. Mo? Yeah, he could be a Doctor Who fan for all I know. That would work too. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, just curious what, what, if he's not a doctor, what prompted the screen name? Yeah. That, so now I want to know. Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah. All right. So I start up the next question here, and it's going to be the comics. Our favorite comics slash collect editions, series, story, arc, or single issue. And this one was tough because there was different things that I liked and I went back and forth on and I didn't want to pick a hundred things, but I did pick a couple things and I'll give you the reasoning behind it. Okay, there was a toss-up and with manga and with comics, mm -hmm. with traditional monthly comics. And I'll tell you the reason why I separate them. Out of the, the manga, the two that I was debating with were Gantz. It's spelled G-A-N-T-Z. Mm -hmm. I took a picture of it. I put it on the Slack channel. Loved it. That had some urine bias because I did read it near the end of the year. It's a fantastic, what they call sign-in, which is older guys manga. So it's, it, it, it has graphic violence. You wouldn't like that part aspect, John. Okay. But it's, it's just terrific. There's world building. There's gamification in there. It keeps you on edge. Fights can take multiple volumes, which is insanity. It just, the art in it is pretty darn good, too. Now, the other one that I almost went with was Alice in Borderland on the manga side. I think it's fantastic. That's more what they call shonen manga. And shonen is more like older teen boys. So you won't see like F words and you don't see as much violence in Alice in Borderlands. So that would be more something that you would be uh, enjoy reading, I think. Okay. I will tell you this. I went with Gantz because me, I just like the more mature side. I thought it was terrific. It came out of nowhere. It was unexpected from Viz Media. And that was fantastic. There's 11 volumes out from Dark Horse and these oversight omnibus, but the 12th one comes out in April, uh, May at the latest, So, and that'll finalize the entire series. So terrific, terrific series. I can't recommend it enough. Like I said, terrific art for manga too. Cool. I could spend an hour going through the storyline, but I'm not doing that. <laughs> we're, not, we're not spending an hour here. Okay. Now, the reason why I picked the second series is because I don't think it's fair to take 
manga, which has been curated. The mm-hmm. best of the best gets translated. And this, like, like Gantz was finished back in like 2008 in Japan. And now it's been translated and it's just coming out here. Well, that's already test, been tested in the marketplace. It's the best of the best. Here it is. That's not fair to compare it to a single monthly thing that's coming out like they do in those phone books over in Japan. So on the single issue comic side, I was debating between two. It was my last year to kind of pick King Conan, Jason Aaron, because Conan's gone away from Marvel. Yeah. Uh, so I almost went with that, but it did not win. It is Do a Powerbomb by T- Daniel Warren Johnson, which is so weird because I am not a wrestling fan. And Daniel Warren Johnson, his arts, it, it, it's different, but th- it really worked with this. It, it came out of nowhere. I didn't expect it. There was a lot of emotional tones in there. There was action. There was keeping you on the you know the edge of your seat and the stakes were there it was unexpected the ending and it ended so beautifully i think he stuck the ending better than most comics that i read that that's definitely my comic of the year do a power bomb cool cool okay now off to you john uh, for me this is one that you know i looked at the the data figured out you know what what were those five out of fives what was the, the stuff that was really great and you know there weren't a ton of things to pick from to be honest but i knew that before I looked at the data, and I pretty much knew what my answer was going to be regardless. I went with uh, New Golden Age number one. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a good read. I mean, hopefully that's the start of another great era for the JSA. And JSA number one, or Justice Society of America number one, more properly, was also excellent. That was another one that was a contender. Yep. And there have been a, a couple of comics this year that it's just, yeah, that's what I want to be reading. That's the style, the tone, the the feeling out of it. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's not enough of those. There, there are few and far between. And I felt like we had more of it in the past years. And, and it, it seems like it's getting harder and harder to find those gems out there right now. Yeah. I mean, to, to say there was a crisis level event and stuff, and it was barely a blip on my radar this year, that's, that's not good. That's not good when there was a crisis and we're, neither one of us thought crisis was that <laughs> great. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it was meh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that takes us to our listeners' picks. Okay, we're going to start off with Sam. He said, Ronan and the Endless Sea of Stars. And I didn't read that. It's a graphic memoir published by Abrams, written by Rick Lewis, art by Lara Antal. And like I said, I think I've heard of the the book, but I've never read it, so I don't know much about it. He's like, I don't know uh, exactly how to describe this book other than amazing about parenthood and the law and loss and children. Very good. Hadn't even hit my radar at all. And I heard that book title somewhere, and I don't remember where I heard it. I listened to podcasts; it might have popped up, but I don't. It, it has my interest peaked, so I'm probably going to look it up. Okay, cool. Okay, now we go on to Nick. He says Batman, Superman, World's Finest, and that is actually a very good pick. I, I enjoyed that. Oh yeah, excellent pick. That was good. He's like, it's my favorite ongoing superhero comic right now. Good story by Mark Wade. Fantastic cartooning by Dan Mora. I agree. Bright Colors by Tamara Bonvillain. I'm butchering these names. The epitome of what I like about modern superhero comics. Very good pick. Got to agree with all of that. Uh, Superman Batman's World Finest. Terrific book. It is. It's just fantastic. Yeah. Now we go to Eric, or Comic Freak. I guess we can call him either. And he's Madman Library Edition. I really like Mike Allred's art style. I did see that solicited, by the way. Mm -hmm. And now in a bigger format. As for a series, I just like at least one, or uh, at least on the host-like Department of Truth. Ah, for all the things that already have been said about this series. And by the way, 
Department of Truth, fantastic, fantastic series. And it's coming out in hardcover, and I'm double dipping and picking it up. It's it's really terrific read. Well, I'm glad I like the, the Madman Library Edition. I mean, Mike Allred has such a signature style. He really does. And it's funny because for me, it's as much the coloring as the line work. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He has, with the thick lines, almost like a retro feel. It feels like you're reading something from the 60s or 70s with that. The thick lines, and there's a way that the the coloring is done. I don't know if it's just more saturated or what exactly it is. It almost, to me, feels like a thick, almost crayon layer, if you will, over yeah. the inks. Yeah. Like it's made in the almost like that four-color type stuff from the past. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it, it feels like it's laid on the page intensely, if you know what I mean. No, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And, and he, He's definitely, when you see his art, you cannot miss it if you see it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once you recognize the style, you can't not recognize it again almost. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Chris Myers. He went with- Oh, you skipped Drew. Oh, Drew. I'm sorry. I, I put a check by Drew and I didn't even read Drew. Sorry, Drew. I, that was my- Just my, trying to keep you honest. Yeah. I'm hitting him in the ribs for the goat comment. <laughs> 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 no, Drew went with A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance. Rick Remender. Andre Lima. Ara- Ara- Arahu? I, I'm- Butchering that, sorry. And the OGN Follow Me Down, a reckless book by Brew Baker and Phillips, both from Image Comics. I will say I own the reckless book and I have not read it yet. It's in my stack of hardcovers. But I, I did see the Righteous Thirst for Vengeance. I almost picked it up, but Rick Remender kind of, I got tired of some of his stuff for a while. It, it, one thing I did notice Rick Remender in the last solicits, he's doing a Marvel comic again. Which one? And it was a one shot. And it was in this latest thing, and I, for the life of me, I can't remember what it was, but I saw I saw Rick Remender, and I was just like, wow, he's back at Marvel Comics. Some shock. What was that sci-fi thing he did at Image ages ago? Oh, oh, I know what you're talking about, and for the life of me, I can't remember. I enjoyed that, but- Yeah, I, it was good. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say I've loved some of his other work. Yeah. And some he's, of it's he's just telling stories I'm not interested in. Yeah, it, it was the latest one, and I know some people love it, Deadly Class. It started off really good, mm. and it went for way too long. And then there was another ghost something that I read, and it just – he started losing me with the stories. And Low was another one where it was really good for like the first arc or two, and then it just meandered. It was unfortunate. But I want to check out The Righteous Thirst, if that's good. Cool. Now, Chris Myers – he also concurred with Drew. He said, Reckless Graphic Novels by Brubaker and Phillips, because there were multiple ones. Mm-hmm. Ghost in You and Follow Me Down, Runners Up, and I don't know that one. Eden by Matt Arnold, I don't know that one either. And Will Dennis, a Comixology original. Interesting. I, I think Eden is by those two, and it is a Comixology original. Oh, by Matt Arnold and Will Dennis. Okay. <laughs> I know there's Comixology originals out there. I think there's been some Elephant Men stuff. It just it doesn't hit my radar, so... It doesn't, and I noticed Dark Horse has started reprinting the Comixology originals for like Scott Snyder and a few others, so they might show up there one day at Dark Horse. I hope they do that for the Elephant Men stuff, and I hope anything that's Comixology original kind of survives with Comixology going through what it's going through with, you know, a bunch of people getting laid off and it getting maybe folded into Kindle and all that stuff. Yeah, will they exist? In what fashion? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. And then he said, but I hate this place by Kyle Stark and a- I, that's Artem Topolin. I- I'm butchering these names. Image Comics. And Stray Dogs, Dog Days graphic novel by Tony Fleeks and Trish Forstner. 
Image Comics. And by the way, we did do a book club on Stray Dogs, and it was terrific. Well, we did a back issue spotlight. Oh, we did a back issue spotlight. That's what it was. Not we, Yeah, so I'm sorry. I know where I read it, but I couldn't remember where I read it from. <laughs> my memory is wonderful. <laughs> so I uh, data drive my answers. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. Now, Nick, we go on to him. Or Nicholas. I'm sorry, Nicholas. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Nicholas is from Sweden. He picked Immortal X-Men gets the top spot. So that's really cool. He's enjoying that. I can understand that. That's had some really good issues. It has. And then he likes X-Men. X-Men Red are not far behind. Very cool. Can understand that. Yep. And I would say those are the best three of the X-Books right now. And then he said She-Hulk and Captain Marvel had a nice year as well as Punisher. Ah, another Punisher fan. I've been enjoying it. Very cool. I haven't read Punisher. Not reading Captain Marvel. I got kind of tired of the character a while back. So no reflection on the current creative team. She-Hulk's hit or miss for me, and it's more on the miss side at the moment. Yeah, it, it started off really strong, like the first six issues, and then it kind of meandered off into a weird spot. So I'm hoping it comes back. Well, I'm uh, glad it's working better for Nicholas than it is for me. Yeah. Now, he said Devil's Reign was good, so I guess I would have liked Daredevil if I was up to date on that, but we'll read it on digital later. And I will say Devil's Reign was pretty terrific. How central is that if I decide to go catch up on Daredevil? Devil's Reign is Basically, the aftermath of what happens in the first first chunk of what happened with Zdarsky. Okay. So it, you could jump into it, but they, they'll catch you up if you read the beginning, you know, like the little forward. You don't have to read it, but it, it does. It's all the fallout from what happened in the first, I would say, what was that, 20 issues? Boom. And then there's big fallout. I'm toying with the idea of catching up on Daredevil at some point, so not like immediately. If I do that, I'll put together the. The reading list I'm thinking of, run it by you, maybe even put it up on Slack or something to have other people chime in. Yeah. Because I wouldn't have even thought to to include like the Devil's Reign main series and stuff, and I should. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, we can do a back issue spotlight if you like anything. When you yeah, well, we could it. do it just uh, at a high level on some of the volumes and stuff. So we'll, we'll think about that. Yeah, I'm cool with it. Okay. And then last but not least, Dr. Mo, collected series, Shy Volume 1 by Bukimi Miki from Yin Press. Ah, so he picked a manga. Very cool. And I didn't read Shy, so I don't know what it's about. Okay, let me keep reading. <laughs> this is Shy why is I it. enjoy your picks on the preview spotlight, because I can, as I'm editing them, I chuckle as you get to this point of, you know, what is this? Oh, and then they tell me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. How many pages is it? Oh, wait a minute. It says down here. <laughs> I, I'm the worst. Can you tell me ADHD? Okay. Shy is a manga series about a reluctant superheroine and a world in which superpowered beings serve as defenders for their respective countries. That sounds interesting. It does sound really cool. It sounds like something I would like. I might want to check that out. For story arc, he picked Flashpoint Beyond from DC Comics. And I thought that was really good. That was Jeff Johns. And I liked that better than the crisis that was going on at the same time. I would agree with that. There were a couple of points with Flashpoint Beyond where they were jumping between Earths. I was getting a little like, why are we doing this? And there were things that became kind of clear at the end. And it was definitely a cog in a bigger story. Yeah. But as a story in and of itself, it was interesting, if a little perplexing in a few places. I agree. And I should have finished reading that. It was by Jeff John, Sherry Adams, and Tim Sheridan. I yeah. left the other two creators out. Sorry. Okay. Illustrated by Eduardo Russo, Exermanico, and Mikkel Janin. I think that's Point. all point of it. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> I need to figure out a better way for people to format, okay, this is one entry, you know, and then, you know, a couple of character turns for the next, or I don't know, something. That's cool. He put them all. Yeah. But Flashpoint Beyond felt like a DC crossover event, 
even though it was published concurrently with their event series, but feels like there are short-term and longer-term consequences. I agree with you completely, Dr. Oh, Mo. absolutely. I mean, it set up stuff that's playing out in the new Golden Age, Stargirl and the Lost Children, and Justice Society of America. I think they could have done better on that final issue of Flashpoint Beyond, kind of pointing us in those directions. Yeah. But yeah, it's Jeff Johns. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised it was really good. I agree. Yeah. Terrific stuff. Okay. That takes us to our next question of comics. Favorite creator, writer, artist, etc. And again, I was collapsing stuff down. So if people had multiple things put in here like they did for the other one, awesome. Now, for me, I had a couple of different, different picks here. Writer, I had to go with Mark Wade. Cool. Batman, Superman, World's Finest, Batman versus Robin. It's Mark Wade. Yeah. He's really good. I'm happy he's back at DC. He's a terrific writer. Runner-up uh, for writer, Jeff Johns, Flashpoint Beyond, New Golden Age, Justice Society of America, Stargirl and the Lost Children. Yep. So, yeah, again, not too Fantastic. surprised there. For artist, can you guess what I would have picked? No. Tell me. Who- oh, I think I do. Bruno Redondo? Yes. I was going to say, how could you not? Bruno Redondo. Ah! He is knocking it out of the park over on Nightwing. He also did Superman, Son of Kal-El number nine. The guy is just a phenomenal artist in terms of both the line work and he seems to really enjoy what he's doing and that comes across on the page. Yeah, I I actually concur with you because I didn't pick an artist. I would have picked Bruno Redondo if I did. Now, I have one other and this kind of subcategory is where I I blatantly disregarded the they had to do more than one thing a quarter and that kind of a deal. Okay. Because this person technically didn't even do one thing this year, but had one (laughs) thing come out. Okay. So I'm going to go with uh, either Artist Emeritus or Lifetime Achievement Award, because that's unfortunately apropos for George Perez. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. In 2022, we had another release of the JLA Avengers hardcover. Not that I have actually seen a copy of this, because it was so limited through Heroes Initiative. Yep. At some point, I'm going to give Mark Wade a hard time on that if I ever see him at a con. Uh, But then, you know, the lifetime of stuff, Avengers, Justice League of America, New Teen Titans, Crisis on Infinite Earths, Wonder Woman, Sojourn over at CrossGen, etc., 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 because he's, over his his decades and decades of work, has done just so much brilliant stuff. I'd be hard-pressed to name any other creator or artist that had, you know, multiple pivotal runs on different books. Yeah, I agree with you there. He's terrific. Terrific. The best. That's the goat right there. Yeah. And <laughs> if if somebody can can give him a run for his money at some point, more power to him. It's going to be hard. Well, that brings me to my favorite creator. And I agree with you, Bruno Redondo, for art. Yeah, I didn't have an artist, but I definitely would have picked him. But I did have some writers. And I, I wrote down two, but I went with one. I was, believe it or not, I started to write Tom Taylor. And I was like, mm-hmm. as I was like, Nah, I'm not going to do Tom Taylor because when I really thought about it, I think Jeff Johns did a better job. So I went with Jeff Johns because of the Star Girl and the Lost Children, the New Golden Age, Justice Society of America. I mean, everything that he did at DC, but then he also did Junkyard Joe over Image. Yeah. Which I just loved. It's one of those things, almost like do a powerbomb where I pretty much love every issue that comes out. And so because of that extra stuff that he's been doing, I went with him as my favorite writer. I can see that. I think, I mean, Jeff Johns, tried and true, he's, he's been around for forever and a day and, and done great stuff over that time. Tom Taylor is really good, and he was one I considered. 
I mean, I, I love a lot of what he's doing over on Nightwing and stuff. I think Dark Knights of Steel is fun. It's also not coming out on a regular basis. Exactly. Yep, that was the problem. <laughs> and the timeliness problem on Nightwing is he's getting issues out, but he's not moving some of the stories along. So there's enough frustration I've got with, with Tom Taylor that that kind of bounced him out of the running. For me. Yeah, that's how I was, that was like my knee-jerk reaction. Then I was like, when I really thought about it, I was like, nah, I think uh, Jeff Johns is doing a better job. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go through the listener picks. Okay. From Sam, we've got Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips. Thanks to wonderful experience of the Ghost in You from the Reckless stuff. I mean, man, that is a great creative team. Yeah, they're fantastic. They work well together. I haven't gotten a lot of their stuff. They're tending to write stories I'm, I'm not as interested in, but man, I respect the craftsmanship. Yeah. They've almost typecasting, you know, they write what they like. When you see them, you're like, okay, crime noir. <laughs> it's going to be yeah. 70s, 80s, something like that. <laughs> crime noir, really well done. Yeah, really well done. They're perfect at it, but that's what you're going to get. And if that's not your favorite stuff, yeah, you're probably not going to pick it up. Yeah. All right. From Nick's picks, we've got, even though her published work this year only consisted of the last two issues of Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, Bill Quiss, Evely, and I'm going to mispronounce some of these names, and I apologize, remains the best artist in comics. Buy whatever she draws, and you will never be disappointed. Interesting. I, I I remember that name. I don't I don't think I read that comics, but I've seen that name. Is that the same artist who did the Future State Supergirl stuff last year or year before? I I think so. For the life of me, I can't remember, but I have seen her before. I have have seen her art, but for the life of me, I can't remember. Because the art in that other book was really stylized and didn't really gel with me. But if you like it, you like it. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, I, I'm looking at her art right now online. Yeah, it's a little bit more stylized, for sure. Okay. And there's a time and a place for that. Just wasn't what I was looking for at the time. All right, from Comic Freak, Terry Moore with the series Parker Girls, a new series in the Stranger in Paradise universe, and actually all the other series he made, because he's tying it all together. Yeah, him and, I think it's Superman fan, they both love Terry Moore. Terry Moore has a really strong following and stuff. I think once people get hooked on on one of his books, they tend to just get everything. Yeah, I picked up one of his Omnibuy. I just haven't read it yet, The Strangers in Paradise. And I, I think when I do read it, I'm going to be dipping in and getting more. I've got, I think, a full run of Strangers in Paradise trades or digests or whatever. I've read a couple issues here and there. I read, I think it was Echo, and started one of the other titles he did. And I can see where he's got the following. It's just uh, the stories he was telling weren't really clicking with me and stuff like that. So they weren't bad. It's just not what I was interested in reading. Yeah, that makes sense. So, all right. From Drew, we've got a tie with the Toms of Taylor and King. I agree with Taylor. Yeah, Tom King's an interesting point. I think <laughs> Drew still really is is uh, letting King coast on the Vision series, maybe. Maybe not. Maybe he's, you know, don't really like him what Tom King's doing. But uh, <laughs> I'll be honest. I don't know if I got much from Tom King at all this year. I know I didn't. He was a... When I saw him in the solicit, I immediately didn't order the book because I he he just did stuff that I didn't like in his writing style. I didn't care for it. Yeah, there were things he did on the Batman run that I blame him for. Although arguably some of it's as much editorial for letting him do it. But yeah, not yeah, wasn't clicking with me. But again, different things for different people. That's why I love reading these picks because there's a couple things again I hadn't heard of or hadn't thought of. So great to get the diversity of of opinions. Yep. All right, from Chris Myers. Brubaker and Phillips, primarily for the Reckless graphic novel they've been doing. So definitely another call out for that. Makes yeah, sense. I, I got to read those hardcovers. <laughs> oh, 
All right, from Nicholas. Kieran Gillen, Al Ewing on the X-Men titles. I don't know if anyone has taken up Hickman's job as mastermind, but their titles are very good. I agree with him there. Yeah. Because Hickman took it to another level. Those two writers are doing a very good job, but I think Hickman really just took the X-Men out of the malaise. (laughs) He rethought the whole franchise and set it up pretty well. I think those two are doing a good job. Really, for me, the X titles have kind of split, and there's there's some that it's like, man, this is just some really clever stuff, really well thought out, some some great material. And there's others where I'm I'm shocked it's being published. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it, it seems like there's a very clear split in the X editorial office. You know, go to one side of the office with that editor, those books will read, and maybe the other side with those editors. And I'm guessing as to if they're split this way by editor, and they may not be. But you know, some is just wow. Yeah, it's very weird. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and maybe other people are loving them, and that's good. But, you know, Exterminators, uh, the art on Marauders drove me off that book. And just, again, certain things work for me and certain things don't. Not to say it's right or wrong. Yeah. And finally, from Dr. Mo, for writer, he went with Chip Zdarsky on Batman, which I like Chip Zdarsky as a writer. I Not so much on his Batman stuff. But, but his okay. next one I did like, the Devil, Daredevil. He's Very calling good. him out on Daredevil from Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Devil's Reign Devil's at Marvel. Oh, yep. Haven't read that, but okay. In public domain, absolutely. Yeah, I just okay. read that. Trade. It, w- it was good. See, I should have read the whole thing before talking, and that way I would have realized it was all one pick. I did the same thing, so I saved you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. See, I, I make a point of not pre-reading these things because I want the, the, the raw reaction, you know? Me too. I didn't want to read them because I didn't want to spoil it for myself and I could give you my real gut. Oh, yeah. this is how I feel. Zdarsky, again, some of his stuff, again, public domain, I thought was really well done. So he's certainly got the writing chops. It's just some of the stuff he did over on Batman with Failsafe. I just, I found it unbelievable in a bad way. Yeah, I, I think he's done a much better job in Daredevil, Devil's Reign. And I would have expected him to do amazing things with Batman. And it just, it just wasn't good. So I'm hoping he pulls it out. I'm just, I got my fingers crossed, but right now, the latest, the last issue I read, I was like, eh, all right. <laughs> well, this next arc, it's it's where is he going with this? Yeah, that's where I am right now. I don't know. And then Dr. Moe's pick for artist was Dan Mora for Batman Superman World's Finest at DC and Once in Future over at Boom Studios. He's a fantastic artist and his Once in Future was terrific. Yeah. And Dan Mora did a great run over on Power Rangers a while back. I think he was the artist for uh, Shattered Grid. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So definitely very talented. I'm, I'm loving his work over on World's Finest. Very cool. Well, that brings us up to question number four. And it's like, what is our favorite comic publisher? And I'm going to surprise you here. Well, I'm probably not going to surprise you here. I have manga and I have Western comics. My favorite, okay, I went back and forth between two publishers, Kodansha. I almost went with because they finished up Attack on Titan, Finland Saga. But I went with Viz Media. Viz Media is the in my opinion, the Goliath of manga here in the United States. Yeah. They, they had Alice in Borderland, Record of Ragnarok, My Hero Academia, Fist of the North Star, everything else. Everything that's in that Shonen Jump is published by Viz. And that's, there's so much material in there that they are a publishing behemoth and they will have something you like in there. So they were definitely the best on the manga side. Now, on the Western comic side, I almost went with AWA, but I decided I was going to go a different direction. I went with AWA last year, and there was a few things I didn't care about from AWA. I went with, believe it or not, Marvel, even though they weren't 
fantastic. I felt like DC was so bad throughout the whole year that they pulled it out with some good titles at the end of the year. I think Marvel was pretty decent. They also, it's a last year, I can give them kudos for having the Conan license. <laughs> uh, I, I always go back to the Conan license. And so uh, I, I also listened to the Rob Servations podcast. It's just the one that I like with uh, Rob Liefeld. And he, he was saying, you know, he goes to comic shops, he talks with them, and, you know, they, he travels the, the whole United States. And for a lot of comic shops, just because of the sheer amount of material and stuff, Marvel keeps them in business right now. Versus, you know, DC, they did the month later release. They yeah. not as good material through most of the year. So I want to give Marvel's kudos for helping the industry. So thank you. I, I think it's fair to split out the manga from uh, the Western comics and such. Yeah. Because the manga stuff, like you said, it's curated, it's coming in trade paperback size lengths. Yeah. It's, it, to me, the same sort of reason that people differentiate movies and televisions for awards and such. No, it's true. One thing that I noticed about myself, and I finally came to the realization when I was reading Gantz, because I read it back to back to back to back to back. I am the type of reader where I like to read one thing all at once, and it makes it easier to digest. Mm-hmm. I remember. I just go through it. And so... Everything that I read on a monthly basis is at a disadvantage because of me, not because of the material. And I've realized it about myself, and I'm like, I'm probably going to love the hardcovers that I picked up from Marvel and DC and everything else way more when I read it all as a big chunk versus the single issues. Well, it's it's not so much you. It's the way they're packaging the material. It really is. It's not written for – like back in the past, you got a full story. You really yeah. don't. It, they're giving you one story over six months, and, and I just can't handle it right now. Yeah, yeah. I, as I get older, I, I struggle with that more and more. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm blaming it on me versus the industry. <laughs> Way too charitable on that. I, I'm being nice. <laughs> okay, for me, favorite publisher. I mean, DC had some highlights, but it did overall. It just wasn't clicking with me the way it should. I mean, I, I should not have titles like Detective Comics and Wonder Woman on my list of titles that I, I might and honestly should cut. Yeah. So, you know, as much as I, I would have, you know, liked to have given it to DC, I mean, they, they had some great comics, they had some great creators. As a publisher, I'm really unhappy with DC, both in terms of the creative output, but I mean, if you look at like the latest rounds of solicitations, DC Marvel have flipped places. DC's now the one that's got, you know, a bazillion covers on everything. Yeah. So, you know, when I was going through my data and such, it's like, you know, DC arguably had a little bit of a higher overall rating than Marvel, but I was getting so many more Marvel comics that that difference in the average really wasn't that big of a deal, particularly given how many Marvel comics I was getting compared to how many DC. Yeah. So while Marvel didn't have the highest average rating and stuff for me, it definitely had the most comics out of any publisher I was getting, and it placed well enough, and overall... Marvel's doing some solid stuff. And I think your point that they're kind of the anchor of the industry or whatever, the bedrock in it, totally true. And I don't yeah. think they're doing it these days based just on alternate covers. Yeah, I, I agree. Ah, we're in agreement here. Ah, good job, John. Good pick. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you approve. <laughs> and now on to our listener picks. All right. First up, we have Nick. And he chose DC, which I would say year-end DC really turned it around. They are my bread and butter, my ride or die, my true comic love. I, I can respect that. I can agree with all of that for me for the most part. Yeah. I just can't quit them <laughs> because they have Batman, Superman, Nightwing, Green Lantern, and all the lovely obscure characters like Doom Patrol that only come out every few years. 
Plus, on a different <laughs> dimension of comic collecting, DC has the best paper stock and color saturation in their monthly issues. Even subpar are dazzles on their printed pages. I, you know what? I will agree with them 100% there on the paper stock and the color saturation. They they went to like this almost like a matte paper versus a glossy paper, and the, the color just really pops. And I think that's awesome, and I really applaud the higher production values. Yeah. But I need the story to pop a bit more than it has been for me. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I mean, I love Batman the character, uh, Superman the character, but I mean, they kicked Superman off Earth for most of the year. Green Lantern didn't have a title for half the year, and it wouldn't howl for most of it. I, I, I'm glad DC's working better for Nick than it, than, than for me. I'm, I'm glad he's happy with that. Me too. And that brings us to Comic Freak, which is Opus Comics. Ah, interesting. I like Opus, but um, I, I like two titles from Opus. I really like their interpretation of Frank Frazetta's Death Dealer. That's the one I'm reading. And he's reading Evanescence's Echoes from the Void. Now, there's several different bands that have comics like Evanescence, and they create these comics based around the band. And they even give you music you can listen to and stuff like that. So it's a completely different thing, Opus. And it, it, it's kind of cool. Interesting. Yeah, Frank Bazetta, actually, he was used on cover arts for some like hard rock or stuff, you know, like uh, Molly Hatchet way back in the day. <laughs> so kind of cool. Now we go to Drew. DC, I know. I am also surprised it's not Image. Yeah, for the first year ever, Drew. Not Image. Wow, DC. Uh, that surprises me with Drew. Drew, you feeling all right? <laughs> <laughs> He's picked Image every single year that when I listened to him as a co-host. Oh, yeah. And since he left, I'm like, wow. All Interesting. Right. I'm curious what Image wasn't doing that kind of took it out of the running and what DC was doing that, that got it in there for him. And I'm glad yeah. he found something he was happy with. I'm surprised it's not Image, but at least he had something he was, he was good with. Well, interesting quick aside on Image. I did notice my output from Image, what I bought, declined, 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 declined throughout the year. And then it seemed like everyone came out of the woodwork in the latest solicits. And there's like four new titles I want to pick up from Image. So I don't know what happened if everyone left and did something else, and now they're all coming back and they need to make money. Maybe the stimulus dried up. I don't know. I think it's definitely a bit of feast or famine. And I've got to wonder if doing creator-owned during the pandemic just wasn't viable for a lot of people. Could be. I, I don't know what it was, but it, it just seemed like it kind of died on the vine, withered. And now it's it came back in this latest solicit. We'll see the next one coming out next week in our next shipment as we record. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Chris Myers. I'm not sure any publisher is my favorite at the time. <laughs> I love that. But the most read is DC, and that's because they publish Batman. And Chris Myers is a diehard Batman guy, so that makes sense. That's that's funny, because there have been times where it's like, yeah, you know. It, None of them are my favorite. <laughs> it used to be that I could really get behind a couple of publishers because they were either really catering to my particular tastes or doing things I really respected or what have you. Other times, not so much. Yeah. All right. That brings us to Nicholas, who said Marvel. He agreed with you and I, John. So good job, Nicholas. <laughs> cool. And then Dr. Mo, DC Comics. Overall, the company produced a lot of solid miniseries. Superman, Space Age, Stargirl, Lost Children, Flashpoint Beyond, Fables, and a handful of ongoing series, Nightwing, Batman, Superman, World's Finest, that I continue to enjoy. Ah, I'm glad. It's, honestly, at the end of the year, I think they ended very well. Well, and I got to agree, the most of the particular titles he listed, Nightwing, Batman, Superman, World's Finest, awesome. Those those are great ongoing titles. I'm a little impatient with Nightwing's ongoing plot, but still a great title. Flashpoint Beyond, agree with that, brilliant. Didn't read Superman Space Age, but okay, he enjoyed that. 
Star Wars Lost Children, the third issue just came out as we're recording this. Yeah. So while I'm enjoying it, a little early to, to see if it lands the ending and such, Fables were, what, halfway through? Yeah, about, about halfway. Almost? Yeah. Out of 12, so I mean, it at least had a, a, enough stuff. And again, enjoying both those two titles, but I'm also looking at how many other things DC's doing that are, are so lackluster for me. Yeah. That having been said, I'm really excited about the new run starting up in Action Comics uh, as we record this. Let me know how it is, because I took a chance to dip out of it, Action Comics, at this change at 1051, because it looked like it was going to be like an anthology of like the side characters. I think it's going to be almost a Superman family anthology kind of a book. Exactly. So let me know how it works for you, because that, that's why I dipped out. Yeah, yeah. We'll probably talk about that in the next monthly comic spotlight. Okay. Sorry, spoiler. I didn't get it. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I'm spoiling the monthly comic spotlight now. Okay. Oh. Um, <laughs> on to you, John. Question number five for comics. The book you wish more people would read and or they would publish. And I went with one that I wish they would publish and that more people would read it so they would keep publishing it. And that is a classic Legion of Superheroes series. Oh, yeah. I think the fact that we don't have that group out in any way, shape, or form is is frustrating. The Bendis run had, I was going to say it had its moments, but honestly, it had its soliloquies. <laughs> it didn't really pan out for me. It wasn't bad. It just it wasn't the classic stuff. Yeah. You know, and as much as I liked Legionnaires and some of that era of stuff, I, I want to go back to the original tone, spirit, and intent. And I think with Jeff Johns and Mark Wade at DC and seeming to be in positions of influence, we may actually get this. I really hope so. Fingers are crossed. Because I know that's your that's your passion, just based on the series you're recording right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my... Hold on, let me pull it up. I've just closed it. Okay. <laughs> A book I wish more people would read, or wish they would publish. Uh, on the manga side, I think more people should read Alice in Borderland. I think it's fantastic. I don't think it's, a, it's offensive like Gantz would be to most people. I think a lot of people would enjoy it. A lot of people like that Squid Game series that came out. It was a Korean TV sh- series on Netflix. If you like that, you'll like Alice in Borderland. It's not as graphic on the violence. And it's uh, the gamification is kind of cool because when they sh- have the puzzles in there, you start to think like the players and you're trying to figure out the game along mm. with them. So it's kind of cool. It, it's a brain exercise along with reading it and just enjoyment and on the edge of your seat all the time. Cool. At the Western comic, I went back and forth, but I'll tell you why I went with the one. I almost went with to do a power bomb, but I'm like, that series ended, so I don't wish more people would read it. They should pick it up in a trade. But the one that's ongoing that I think I wish more people would read because I wanted to do very well and I want him to continue to do his his universe over image is Junkyard Joe. I think Jeff Johns has done a terrific job with Junkyard Joe. It is fantastic. You can feel his passion. It's just a really fun read because you get action, war book, plus you get a lot of emotional tones in there, which that's what won the day with most of the things I read is even in the manga, there's a lot of emotional stuff in there where it kind of gets to you. Not not that you're going to tear up and cry, but where you feel something when you're reading it versus mechanical by the numbers. Cool. All right, going through the listener picks. Yeah. From Sam, we've got That Texas Blood by Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips. This is a wonderful horror series, question mark, suspense, question mark, crime, question mark, published over an image that's simply amazing. I almost picked it up. I still I need to get the trade. Okay, the horror series part kind of kind of loses me a little there. It's just not for my tastes, but uh, okay, interesting. 
Now, Nick's picks, man, this is this is a one I can get behind, and I had, wouldn't even recur to me. We went another year with no ongoing Archie comics. Come on, Archie. We need more comical teen drama. Yeah, Archie's not doing too well. You look at how they had a classic run of stuff for decades. Mark Wade came on board, geez, almost maybe around a decade ago now, completely revitalized the stuff, and it was good. And they've totally squandered both all of that and a lot of the original stuff. They're they're coming out with a few things here and there, but I was enjoying the new Crusader stuff when they did that before they when it was Red Circle before they went Dark Circle. Yep, I, Archie. I don't know how they're doing on the newsstand if that's even still a viable thing for them, but the fact that they've got nothing that they're also able to leverage in the direct market disappointing. So really good pick, Nick. Yeah, I agree. All right, from Comics Freak, Astro City. Ah! Only one comic this year? Come on, where's the rest? I wish they'll publish more comics, because I know Kurt Busiek has a lot of stories in this universe. I can totally get behind that. Yeah, Astro City's terrific stuff, and you may or may not hear some back-issue spotlights in the future from that. I I can imagine we would do that. I think we're going to do Astro City. I'm debating if we do them as Astro City spotlights versus back-issue spotlights. Hey, I'm cool with that. I went through and started organizing some notes on it, and anyone who hasn't been reading Astro City and is interested, between the two Metro books they have released, the two they've got planned out, I think that covers like two-thirds of the Astro City material. Yeah, that's a lot. So, definitely a lot of good stuff there, and I really hope they can get Astro City onto a, a regular release cadence of some sort. I agree. Yeah, he, he needs to do more of that because it's it's terrific stuff when Kurt's doing it. Oh, absolutely. All right, from Drew. Wish more people read He's Got a Tie, New Think from AWA, and Ice Cream Man from Image, and please publish a new Constantine. I have not read New Think from AWA. I read an issue of Ice Cream Man. It didn't work for me. I, I read New Think. It was, it, that was one of the ones that wasn't my favorite from AWA. And so I'm glad it worked for him. I think the first issue I liked and the second issue, it got really weird. Mm-hmm. And I, it kind of, I'm like, all right, this is weird. Uh, every issue was unto its own, it felt like. Mm. And so like, if you're reading it, it wasn't like flowing like a five-issue series normally would. Interesting. Okay. All right. From Chris Myers, my vote goes to the Reckless GNs from Brubaker and Phillips. One that I wish they would publish again is Bandette from Paul Tobin and Colleen Coover. Oh, I've seen that before. I haven't read it, but I've seen it. I've seen the covers to Bandit. It looked interesting, but I'm not all that familiar with the what the property is. Me neither. And, and literally, I've seen it. And I've almost purchased. I went to you know Amazon gives you those previews. I looked at it to see if it's something I wanted to buy, but I didn't pick it up. Interesting. Okay, Nicholas J. Lazarus more often. Yeah, I agree, Nicholas. We need more Lazarus, please. The plan is for us to get more Lazarus. And get it more often, we're just going to have to wait for them to build up that material to do that. Because I think at the end of The Last Lazarus Risen, they said that the plan was to be late 2023, maybe? And then get to where they can release it monthly? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, hoping for that. Nicholas J. also had a Doctor Doom solo book. Yeah, that'd be cool. Who would you have do that? Peter David. Interesting choice. He did. Th- he did Doom 2099, didn't he? I can't remember. I think he did. I don't remember. He's certainly written Doom on and off before. I don't know. He just came to mind. (laughs) Peter David. If they could get the right creative team on that, and I'm sure they could, that could be a lot of fun. It could be. And he's not the only one. I mean, you could have, man, I'm trying to think who else I would have. Mark Wade would be terrific. (laughs) 
if they could get it to where he's not only the hero of his own story in his solo book, but is genuinely heroic from that vantage point, yet is still doubling as the perceived villain in issues of Fantastic Four or X-Men or wherever concurrently. That'd be awesome. Where you get the different perspectives and you you read the same event very differently because of that, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Now, his next thing is uh, the Mary Jane and Doom team up. I'm like, that's a weird combo. Well, he wants a Mary Jane solo book or a Doom MJ team up. Ah, I'm I'm like, Doom and MJ teaming up. That'd be weird. I'm not sure how that would work. I'm not saying it can't. It'd be cool, but I don't know. (laughs) I'm trying to think. Did they ever team up? Who knows? I'm sure they've met, but never teamed up. Well, I can't say that. I'm not aware of it. Could be cool. It would be very different. That almost reeks of a Jed McKay book. It does. It does sound like Jed McKay. He could make that work. And his next thing will tie into Jed Uh, McKay. Some good news for MJ fans 2023, though, with the uh, MJ Black Cat miniseries. There you go. Jed McKay right there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now, if that could spin out into uh, an MJ Doom, that would be hilarious. Yeah. Dr. Moe, wish Jeff Lemire would release another Quantum Age series through his Black Hammer line at Dark Horse. Yeah, he's kind of stopped. He hasn't done anything with with the whole Black Hammer series in a little while now. Well, and the Quantum Age stuff was uh, his Legion stuff, right? Yep. So, Dr. Moe, maybe he's sort of agreeing with me. I don't know. Yeah, he wants some Legion stuff. Just saying. (laughs) All right, we're getting... Oh, by the way, one thing that you'll notice I didn't say that I wish they published, I quit saying Hawkman, or not Hawkman. Oh, who's the who's the guy? Warlord from mm. DC. And I quit saying the DC war books because I've been saying it every time for like the last three yearly spotlights. And DC apparently is never going to publish that stuff. So I'm going to quit asking for it. <laughs> I would like to see a Warlord series. Yeah, I would just like to see him collect the old stuff, please. But that too. N- the fact that only two issues of the original Warlord series are on DC Universe Infinite Ultra or what, whatever the hell that's called today. Yeah. Floors me, and only those two because it tied into legends. And the war books are just gone. You know, you can't read those. So it's like it's it's just really sad. Yeah, eh, d- d- disappointing. I would okay. like to see a Hawkman series, though. Hawkman would be great because who was it? Venditti did a terrific job. Venditti did a great job. Yeah. All right. Question six. All right. This one was a hard one for me. Favorite comic movie television show. Okay. My wife and I, with the pandemic, we had an epiphany. I had an epiphany. She didn't have the epiphany. She was experiencing it. Turned out she was starting to enjoy movies more because when we're at home, we have subtitles on. Mm-hmm. And when we go to the movies with all the talking and people talking over each other and noise and background stuff, she doesn't pick up a lot of stuff that's going on. So she's like, she didn't even like Star Wars at all. She would go and see it because the action scenes. I put on Disney Plus and we played all the Star Wars. She loves it now. I'm like, she's like, wow, this is a really good story. So we, we've stopped going to movie theaters. We watch stuff at home when it comes out Disney Plus or HBO Max. So I'm not very current. I haven't seen like Wakanda forever. It's not out for me yet. But that being said, my favorite thing was something – I almost went with like a boys series on uh, Amazon Prime because I really do enjoy that. A lot of people won't. But I actually went with a Netflix series, and it was a live action, but it's based on the manga that I really enjoyed, Alice in Borderland. And I talked about that before. Mm-hmm. In two seasons, you can watch the entire manga that I read, and it's fantastic. My wife loved it, and she never read the manga. My sister and I liked it a little bit more because the manga just gives you more in-depth. It's kind of like people who like the Game of Thrones series on HBO Max. If you read the books, you get more depth yeah. and more understanding to it. And so I would say if you enjoy this TV series, watch it because it's terrific. 
And, you know, beyond that, you know, I I mean, there's things I liked, like Ms. Marvel on Disney was fine. But I think Alice in Borderland was by and far my most enjoyable thing. It was a TV series. I can understand that. And I think there was a ton to, to pick from this year. Yeah. Between the TV shows, the movies, and whatnot. For me, it was uh, something came straight to mind. All right. Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Ah, and is, that's on Paramount Plus, sir. It's on Paramount Plus. I mean, this is the kind of Star Trek I want to be seeing more of. It ties directly into the comics. As a matter of fact, where first season leaves off, the miniseries is picking up from, which will lead into the second season. But yeah, there have been a number of, of TV shows, movies, etc. this year, so it's it's not for a lack of material. Very cool. And actually, believe it or not, I haven't watched a ton of the Star Trek stuff, but my wife and I have it in our queue to watch. But I've been enjoying a lot of stuff on Paramount Plus, like really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. The 1883, 1923, which are the Yellowstone spinoffs, Mayor of Kingstown, and also the one with, who's the guy from Rocky? Sylvester Stallone. I can't remember the name oh, of it. Oh, I, I know the series you're talking the about. The Tulsa King. Yeah, Tulsa yeah. King. It, fantastic. Just fun. Good, good, good watches. But they're not comic based, so I didn't pick them. <laughs> no, that's All right. That brings us over to our listeners. And we start with Sam, who went with Morbius was my favorite film that fits the category, but for a different perspective. I want to give it an honorable mention to The Monsters. All right. The Monsters is far from perfect film, but there are many fun elements, and I love the property that went to the quirky and humorous film. I did not watch The Monsters, but I did see Morbius on a plane. And for me, I'm just happy I watched it on a plane. I have not seen Morbius yet. I haven't seen quite a bit of what uh, Sony's done outside of their Spider-Man stuff, and this is part of it, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And I haven't watched the Monsters one, but I remember the old show, and I thought that was a lot of fun, so yeah, I have to my check wife, that movie out at some point. My wife is funny. We're on the plane. I think we were going to Peru, and we were watching Morbius, and about an hour into it, I noticed she's starting to doze off. She's like, this is boring. <laughs> she's falling asleep, and I'm like, oh, that's not a good sign. <laughs> Whenever I travel like that, I always bring my own entertainment. I'm not going to be at the mercy of whatever they've got on the in-flight system. Oh, that's smart, because we're, we're stuck. We, we're well, at the mercy. Yeah, if it's bad, it's not like you can get up and walk out. Yeah, you can. <laughs> All right, Nick, he went with The Batman, which was not bad. I, I did enjoy that. Actually have not watched that yet. Oh, okay, I, I did enjoy it. Hands Down was the best superhero movie of the year. Granted, it had an extra final act we didn't need. But the core of the movie was exceptional. Detective Comics-level superheroing. Penguin was better than he had any right to be. And Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman was a worthy foil to goth Batman. Hmm. I remember I did enjoy it, but it didn't stick with me long term. Well, and Penguin's getting a TV series, streaming series, isn't he? I think he is. Interesting. So, um, to watch a Batman now. I was going to watch it at some point. I just haven't gotten to it yet. (laughs) There's some stuff where, and again, you know, goth Batman kind of a take or whatever. It, it was a dark looking film, and it's sometimes my sister and I just aren't in the mood to watch that kind of thing. Well, that's the thing I've noticed, and this is me and not to pick on any, on any company, but I noticed other than like Aquaman, um, the majority of the DC films are very dark and very super realistic. And uh, for me, they almost have like a depressing feel. And I don't mean that bad, like the Batmans, the Joker, you know, and it's like, yeah. It's like, man, I, if I if I want to be in like a serious glum mood, I'll watch it. But if I want to be in a good mood and come out of there smiling, I'm not going to watch the Batman. You know, that's just me. Well, was it Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice that started with a funeral and ended with a funeral? Yeah, very depressing. <laughs> How uplifting! <laughs> All right, on to Comic Freak. We got 
Oh, which I should call him Eric. Sorry, comic freak. Uh, either way. He'll answer uh, me either, he said. All right. And this is not Eric from Calabunga, just FYI. No, okay. <laughs> all right. Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, I forgot about that one. That was fantastic. That was fantastic. Oh, my God. Thank you for remembering that Spider-Man movie. I forgot about it, comic freak. Good pick. I, that would have been my pick for superhero. Yes. I didn't like any other the comic and comic-related TV series from the last couple of years. Not Loki, She-Hulk, Ms. Marvel, Peacemaker, Sandman, Wakanda Forever, Black Adam, to name a few. I found them all very disappointing. Well, I would agree with you that Spider-Man No Way Home was probably the best superhero movie I saw. I would say Spider-Man No Way Home not only was a great end to that trilogy of, of those movies, but to that trilogy of almost trilogies of all the Spider-Man films. That, they just, they, that worked on so many levels, it was amazing. Yeah, like if you gave me a choice between that and the Batman, I would watch Spider-Man No Way Home every time, just because it was bright and uplifting and happy, and you get to see all the all the Spider-Mans. It was kind of cool. I was so happy that I had decided to go through all of the Spider-Man films leading up to No Way Home, because I think it worked much better for me than if I had not done that. Yeah, more impact. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Loki, I thought was fun. She-Hulk did a whole episode on on that it, yeah it had its moments it had some fun stuff it also made i think some serious mistakes ms marvel did an episode on that too i thought that was just it was fun I'm not gonna say it was deep or anything of the sort no but it was more enjoyable. of a fun yeah yeah have not seen peacemaker have not watched sandman yet haven't gotten to wakanda forever yet did watch black adam i did watch that too i've got an episode that's either coming out or out already yeah my my wife was kept wondering who are all these people who are they who are they because they they didn't really introduce them, you know. All of a sudden, the J, you know. Well, I won't spoil it. Some a team shows up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I yeah, I have to stop and explain. Well, these are these people, and they're not there normally. And she's like, "What?" <laughs> well, with my sister, she's watching the stuff, and I'm I'm here's who this is. Here's how they cast very differently than the comics because this is the kind of character that is in the comic, and giving her that kind of perspective without trying to interrupt the movie or, or ruin it for her or anything of the sort. The episode on Black Adam goes up after we record this, but before this comes out. So, All right, cool. Looking forward to it. All right, now Drew, he had a tie. Andor and the Batman. And actually, Andor I did enjoy. I just listened to your episode on, on Andor. It wasn't like the end-all, be-all. Like A lot of people said, man, this is the best series ever, but I didn't feel like that. I felt like it was a solid series. I thought it was, it was not a bad sci-fi series. I did not think it was a good Star Wars series. Yeah, it didn't feel very Star Wars-like until that maybe that last scene where you see what they were working on the whole time. Well, that ties into the the canon, but not to the, the tone, the spirit, etc. Correct. It's the first Star Wars thing where we haven't really had a droid that was a, a meaningful part of the story. Yeah. Where we haven't had Jedi, where they're practically disavowed and not in a ancient religion kind of a way. It just it, it was doing so many things wrong, and the title character I thought was reactive versus proactive. And that didn't work for me. Yeah, I, I, I can see where you're coming from. It was definitely it, it, a different type of Star Wars series. It, and I think a lot of people were clicking with that. It was the least Star Wars feeling Star Wars that I've seen. Well, and if they had built it as, forget the Sith and the Jedi, we're going to focus on the Empire and the Rebellion. The Empire, the Rebellion, the starting of it, and the, the slave labor, basically, at yeah, some one point. Yeah, yeah that would have made sense. It had some great moments. It just was so disjointed for yeah. me. It was good for what it was, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. It didn't feel like Star Wars. I'm glad Drew really enjoyed it. Yeah. Now, Chris Myers, I haven't watched any this year. Good for you, Chris. You have a lot of watching to do <laughs> in, in retirement. <laughs> yeah, and 
I'm certainly not getting out to the theater for any of this. I've given up on the theater experience a while back. I've got a, a TV projector, so that does it for me. But I'm wondering if Chris isn't doing it because he hasn't had the time, hasn't had the interest, or or what? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he hasn't even watched it at home, apparently. So, yeah, let us know, Chris. Tell us on Slack if you're listening at this point. Yeah. And then Nicholas, Sandman, which I haven't watched. It's in my queue. And runner-up She-Hulk. I'm glad you enjoy She-Hulk because I did enjoy it. I thought it was fun in the vein of Ms. Marvel. Fun, you know? But it, it did have the real big fourth wall breaking. But I, I did enjoy it myself. I thought Ms. Marvel was a little more enjoyable, wholesome, fun, or I, I could root for that character in a way that I was having a little bit of a hard time rooting for She-Hulk. That makes sense. Yeah, she was very likable. The, the Ms. Marvel, yeah, yeah. Now, that having been said, the She-Hulk episode that had a, a notable guest star... Yeah. Ton of fun. That was terrific. Yeah. <laughs> I have not watched Sandman. That's on the list. I'll be honest, I'm not a huge fan or devotee or whatever of, of the comic. So that's that's one of the things why it hasn't gotten to the top of the stack of, of what my sister and I watch. I'm right there with you. So <laughs> I'll see how it works for me not having read it. And what I did read, I didn't enjoy that much. Now, Dr. Mo movie, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. It hasn't come out to Disney Plus, so I haven't seen it, but I'm I'm glad it was good, Dr. Mo. Thanks for telling us. It was a triumph given everything that was stacked against the film because of Chadwick Boseman's passing. And I agree with that because that's yeah. tough. And Chadwick was a terrific actor. He was amazing. Well, not only that, but the first Black Panther film had such a cultural impact. It really did. That living up to that, regardless of Chadwick Boseman hadn't passed and stuff, I still think it would have had a hard time. And then his passing on top of that. Just, oh, that, that's tough. That's that's uphill battle, and, and I'm hoping that it works well for me. It seems like it did really well for Dr. Mo, and that's, that's great to hear. Yeah, I'm, uh, that's what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. Now, television series, Young Justice Phantoms on HBO Max, which I did not watch, and it was idolized version of the DC universe that continued to build upon continuity from previous seasons. Interesting. I did watch that. I thought it had some very interesting stuff. I felt this season was a bit more segmented of, we're going to go tell this story, we're going to go tell this story, we're going to go tell this with a, a subplot that, that goes all the way through or whatnot. I think it wasn't the best season they've had. It wasn't bad by any stretch. It was a lot of fun. It was good, uh, really good in some places. I think that The Young Justice has its own canon and stuff. It's... It's one that I think could have been used as a model for the new 52 and stuff, and it would have behooved them to do that. Interesting. All right. Well, I hopefully I get around to you. You want to know one thing I'll just say on all of this stuff? There's so much comic material out there in movies and TV shows that not all of us see all the different things in so many different picks. You know, you go back 20 years ago and you're, you're getting a, a show, <laughs> a, a show. A, a movie if you're lucky. <laughs> Let's see. We're in 2023 as we record this. 20 years ago, I think the show would have been Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey and maybe X-Men, one of the X-Men movies from uh, maybe Fox. Maybe X-Men 2 or something. Maybe Smallville was on at the time. I forget. Yeah, and that's it. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you can pick from. Pick one of those three. <laughs> oh my gosh. Times have changed. There's a wealth of, of material out there. It's, well, it's ridiculous. There is, but I think we've passed the peak. Because it was at one point within the last couple of years, there was effectively enough stuff for a TV show a night kind of a deal, like all year long. And I don't think we're at that point any longer with Arrow having ended, Batwoman having ended, Black Lightning having ended, not all of it recently, of course. 
Legends Tomorrow having ended, Flash about to end, leaving Superman and Lois as kind of the last man standing on the CW side, I think, on the, the DC side at least. I, th- I don't remember if Riverdale's still going or not. So I think we've we've hit the saturation point, burnt a lot of the audience out, and we may have some lean years coming up. I agree. I think the years are going to be leaner and content will be a little bit leaner. Yeah. On TV, streaming, on the other hand, is more than making up for it, of course. I agree. (laughs) I'm okay with that. Me too. (laughs) I think this is a good spot to break the yearly comic spotlight discussion into two parts. Join us in part two for the questions about 2022 and what the listeners thought of this past year of the Comic Book Page podcast. Recording clips for the preview spotlight episodes is easy, and we've got an open submission policy for these episodes. Please send in clips to support the comics you love as often as you can. If you'd like to get email reminders for the preview spotlight episodes, you can join the emailing list on the main page of the comicbookpage.com website. The deadline is typically the second Saturday of the month at 9 a.m. Check the main page of the website for more information and the exact deadline for the next preview spotlight. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.